0: What would you say you do here there's not a
1: single job in this town there's nothing nada yeah unless you want to work 40 hours a week
0: what if this is as good as it gets you want answers
1: my job is to make sure that you do your job pretty much in your
0: face i want the truth looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately you can't handle the truth this is going to be a great day Welcome to In Business with Mike Whitaker. The topic this week, buying or selling a business while not losing your shirt or selling your soul. I'm Gary Owen, your co-host, and our guest this week is Fred Phillips. He's a transition
1: advisor. And this is Mike Whitaker. Good morning. And I take responsibility for that topic, uh, buying or selling a business while not losing your shirt or selling your soul. I have to tell you, I've done both and uh, learned, the, learned some things along the way. Was it painful? It's still painful. It still hurts. <laughs> uh, however... Um, <laughs> I do tell you that this show, again, will make you a lot of money, and i got to quit saying that. But each show topic each week is making people money if they listen and apply it to their world. Mm -hmm. This one, you know, we talk about entrepreneurism a lot. I mean, I really am an advocate of that and and coach that. Uh, One of the ways that you can be entrepreneurial, you don't have to just start your own business. Sometimes you can just buy one, and it might surprise you how many businesses are available, and we're talking with Fred today about that. And In the second half of the show... um, that was that first half was getting into business. second half of the show is getting out. At some point, you have to get transition. You have to move along. Uh, you want to cash out of all the hard work, and you need to know how to get out. And, that again, there's a lot of ways you can go wrong, a lot of ways you can do the right thing. So we're going to talk about that, all while not losing your shirt or selling your soul. So – Fred, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Mike. Appreciate inviting me. Gary? Absolutely. Uh, So for the listeners, uh, Fred actually helped me sell one of my early businesses, and uh, so I know his work, and uh, I learned a lot from you, Fred. That was interesting. You know, as always, the show intends to add Mm -hmm. to our confidence on every important topic, and confidence when entering a business. Let's take our first topic. You know, I have heard in the past, and I've used it now, I said, you make your money on the buy and you're buying a car, you're buying a house, you're buying anything you're buying, the deal you cut to get into it tends to be where you make a lot of the money. What do you say to that?
2: Well, that's true, Mike. If you, if you overpay for something, you are going to struggle or will probably struggle down the road. And you, as you know, uh, one that goes into business has to have enough money to maintain the business and to uh, basically know what's around the corner by capital expenditures. And so I think that if you do buy right, if you do buy with a reserve, keep a reserve so you don't have to struggle, then you will more than likely survive financially.
1: Well, all right. We'll take baby steps. You know, we want, we want to get into business, and I want to look at buying a business. You know, and by the way, there's a video on my website, MikeWhittaker.com, that's titled Should I Go Into Business For Myself? And there's an, also a radio program we've done, Gary, mm-hmm. on this. and we're also archived things like the women entrepreneurs show and what's a business worth and starting my own business these these shows are all about getting into business and they're all about building confidence and and fred the confidence and not overpaying that's important if i told you also today that the statement this is there's never been a better time to buy a business what would you say to that
2: I would say that is true, and that will probably uh, go into uh, when we maybe if we talk a little bit later about some recommended reading. Uh, that is, in fact, the uh, point that the author makes is that the, the, uh, there is a lot of change going on right now, but that leads a lot of opportunity. And so there, it is a great time to go into business.
1: As we learned last week in the What Is Your Business Worth show, uh, we learned from uh, Bert Castillo that uh, the multiples paid for businesses have been slashed. You can buy a business for half of what you would have paid two years ago for the for the same business, the same shell, the same engine, and uh, what a great time! Now you know to to think about that. So, in the end, Fred, you said, you agree that it's a good time to start to get into buying a business. Um, what does it mean though to transition? into a business while the other person is transitioning out. What's taking place there when you're going to go into a business that's already existing? What's a transition about?
2: Well, <clears throat> would you be talking for the buyer or for the seller? Let's take the buyer. Okay. Well, I think the, uh, the components that would go into a buyer would be the questions that one would have to ask him or herself, which would be, am I a hands-on person? Am I a passive person? It's going to be a change of lifestyle. Uh, y- they may be previously working 30 40 hours a week in a job and now it's it's no longer a 30 40 hour a week job more than likely it could be 60 hours a week or even 80 hours it's, a week it's
1: now a lifestyle that's
2: exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly so do they have uh, have they thought about that do they have the skills to run the business do they have the personality to work with the employees or do they mm-hmm. have the personality personality to work with their customers um, are they a risk taker? Mm-hmm. You know, buying a business is a, is is a certain level of risk. You know it, and but as a result, if you own and buy a business, it can be rewarding as well. And so, do you have
0: the education and or credentials to run that business properly to be successful?
1: That's
2: right. That's you, exa-
0: know, you know, and a lot of us just wing
1: it, but. Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that
1: Uh, is there a listing Fred of businesses for sale at all times kind of like homes there is and it's
2: it's uh there's actually a number of sources that you can go and on the web that uh, most people in the industry, most brokerages have their own, uh, but there's also a number on the web uh, that you can go to to find businesses. Available. So I can
1: shop for a business just like I'm shopping for uh, you know a car or a, a home. You know, it's simply you have to look for the ad, you have to look for the details. That's right. right?
2: But it, do- it should take some preparation to know a little bit about what you're looking for before you even do that, because it's not you can't compare businesses quite as easily as you can compare homes and cars.
0: Absolutely. In fact, if you do, you're taking. Incredible- incredible risk, right? <laughs> exactly right. If you just joined us, today's topic on In Business with Mike Whitaker <clears throat> is buying or selling a business while not losing your shirt or selling your soul. Uh, you know,
1: it's easier sometimes to find a certain type of business. So Fred, what di- what different types of businesses for comparison purposes can a buyer choose from that are out there that you'll find if you did a search? You know, from one end to the other.
2: Sure, there is there is an abundance of uh, of businesses out there. In fact, I'm not sure, but there's there the government has thousands upon thousands of SIC code uh, designations, which are classifications for businesses. So, but predominantly, the people that would be buying, uh, let's say, the mom and pop businesses, the smaller businesses that would have maybe five, ten employees, uh, those kind of businesses. You're talking manufacturing. Mm-hmm. You're talking distribution, mm-hmm. retail. Mm-hmm. Service, mm-hmm. which could be service to businesses, s- mm-hmm. service to consumers, um, restaurants, food businesses, there's those types of medical businesses, mm-hmm. software. Uh, we have virtually either have or have sold all those kinds of businesses. So there's, that's the service and manufacturing are probably the, some of the more common types. And I can of find
1: business. bigger businesses too, right? I mean, I mean you can help me find a business that's, that's right. bigger than and that.
2: Then, that's right. Then you go into larger businesses which are essentially the same, in the same industry that I just uh, mentioned, such as manufacturing, but they're just at a high, lot higher level of revenues and employees.
0: So are there some resources, uh, points where you can, I mean, you want to buy House. What do you do? You go to a realtor. You look in the paper. But how do you find businesses for sale if you're not aware of it?
2: Well, most people, uh, if you're if you're talking in the in the smaller businesses, what what I found is most people are actually um, going to the web and they're looking. They're doing search. They're searching various websites uh, looking for businesses. But others are also, you know, they hear word of mouth through their accountant, attorney, etc. That so and so mm-hmm. wants to sell their business, and they're going that. They're taking that avenue as well. But for the most part, most people are going to the web and finding trying to find businesses for sale and then they will either contact the person that has that business or so they'll call us and ask us to help them intervene and try and put them in that business or in something else.
1: Your, tra- your website is transitionadvisorsinc.com. So I want to make sure people understand that's a good place to start, right? I mean, that's you, great, yes. And your uh, number is 405-604-9527. Anybody has a question or want to find out what's in inventory to purchase, 405-604-9527. Fred, what's the cheapest business, for example, I could get into today? What do you think?
2: Well, actually, the cheapest business is probably something uh, that would be a multi-level marketing business.
1: Okay. Okay. All right.
2: Uh, uh, and and we don't sell those, of course. But yeah. that is the answer right, after to the question. that.
1: The cheapest thing that's existing that someone's got a business started, they need to they want to sell. What what are we talking about? Because it might surprise people how it's affordable.
2: Well, I would say that you could a- actually the, 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 the let's say the cheapest business that you could go into. That I think what you have to look at is what what. You have to hand in hand take that with how much money you could make out of that. Most mm-hmm. people, you know, if you had to if you had if I had to guess, most people would probably need uh, thirty, forty, fifty thousand maybe of income. Yeah, to I want to make become. a living for myself. Exactly. So what's, what can
1: I do get a so, business for to do okay, that? Okay.
2: So for that kind of business that it would it it could that kind of business would, would cost anywhere from probably depending on what it is, fifty to one hundred and seventy five, maybe two hundred thousand, something sure. like that. So a one to one or maybe right. a one to three times ratio of what it makes. What
1: that means is within within one to three, four years, the business has paid for itself. That's right. And, and you've paid more probably because you bought some assets with the business. Right. But and the
2: reason there's a difference, and you may have talked to the, about this in your last show, uh, but the reason there's a difference, it has to do with the uh, how many competitors are out there, how, how complex it is, okay. if it's easy to duplicate or if it's not easy to duplicate. Those are all factors why that that's different. Uh, so I would say that... Uh, and that that would be the now that doesn't mean that the buyer has to have that much money because there is financing available
1: let's talk about that do i need to have all cash to purchase a business or are the sellers sometimes flexible on the payment terms What what is well the of the I, thumb?
2: I think what you're finding is uh, that his historically uh that there if you go back several years back that there was a lot of uh, cash transactions, and buyers were getting financed that didn 't mean that that meant that the seller was getting all cash now I think that 's changing somewhat mm-hmm. now, and I think it 's becoming more prevalent that a seller is taking uh, partially cash. Partially, there may be fin- a component of seller financing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, so there are terms in, in buying, and it helps the buyer because the buyer doesn't have to come up with ca- as much right. cash and doesn't have to get financed as much.
1: Let me translate that to, I think like an opportunist. You know, there are a lot of people out there that, regardless of the economy, their life continues. Our life goes on. They need to retire. They want to move on. They want to go fishing. Whatever. They still need to sell a business, and because the financing is options are lower, less now. Um, if you want to get into business and you know of a good business that you could talk about buying, the options you have to make that offer are plentiful, right? You can say to somebody, I'll transition you into your business and I'll come up with some way to pay you back over time. If they trust you, you've got something to work with, right, in this economy.
2: That's right. You do. You have something to work with. Um, and and if it's somebody that you know and trust and feel that they have the experience and uh, and knowledge to, to – uh, take it from there then that would be that could be a great alternative
0: we've got to take a little break mike uh, when we come back we're going to tell you how you can lose your shirt in buying a business and then we're going to tell you how you can unintentionally sell your soul in buying a business from personal experience All right and uh, by the way uh, we always open the door if you've got a question for mike that you'd like on the show you can call toll free 877-843-4110 I'll leave your question or you can email mike at com, and that's w-h-i-t-a-k-e-r mikewhitaker.com back in 60 seconds Hi, I'm Tommy Lasorda, and I love helping anybody who loves baseball. There's a terrific team of volunteers who are available to help small business owners get started and grow. They are the counselors of SCORE, and they can help you have a winning team. By the way, the price is right because the admission is free, so contact the folks at SCORE. To contact a SCORE counselor, call 800-634-0245 or visit SCORE.org. If your company event, sales team, or management team could use a shot on the arm with a strategic message or solution, Mike Whitaker is available as a speaker or advisor on topics of confidence, getting control, increasing sales, and business strategy. For details on how you can get Mike Whitaker to be a speaker or advisor for your organization, call 877-843-4110. That's 877-V-4110 for details. Or visit MikeWhitaker.com. back in business with Mike Whitaker. If you've just joined us, our topic today is buying or selling a business while not losing your shirt or selling your soul. Our guest is Fred Phillips, a transaction advisor. Hey, Fred, what is the emotional state of a
1: buyer as they get closer to closing the deal? You got a business, you're ready, excited to buy it. You know, what's the emotional state? What's a buyer going through here?
2: Well, if you're, if you're talking about Getting close to closing a deal, I think they go through a, a uh, actually a series of emotions. You know, they start with when they're thinking about it, when they're buying it, do they do they want to buy it? Talking to their spouse, then it's going through the process and and the due diligence and and are they questioning themselves? Are they making the right decision? On and on. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they you know buying a business is not a perfect science. It's it it generally doesn't go. Uh, Exactly smooth. There's right. challenges right. along the way, and uh, if they if they have the mindset to overcome challenges when they mm-hmm. come across them, then mm-hmm. then it it can be a it, it's an
1: easy process. So they're second guessing themselves along the way too, right? That's right. I mean, you know, how do buyers tend to ruin will be a good deal for both parties? You know, or their associates they really bring in. How do they tend to ruin the deal? How does a buyer tend
2: to ruin yeah. the deal? Well, I think a buyer tends to ruin the deal, number one, probably be, be uh, by uh, alienating the seller, by uh, not having a forming a good rapport mm-hmm. with the seller. That's mm-hmm. probably a very important part good point. and a good point to uh, keep in mind.
1: You know, I, uh, I personally, the first time I tried to sell the business that you eventually helped me sell, uh, it was in 1999, and I'll never forget. I had a great rapport with the buyer. Uh, but uh, he brought in his uh, CPA, and his CPA was an absolute. Uh, I can't even say it on the air, and mm-hmm. he killed the deal. He made a deal, an important point about something that would turn out to be nothing. So four years later, when I saw the buyer, I said, "I said, thank God you didn't buy the business because it's now worth millions more." And all it took was time. Mm-hmm. But the, the guy's CPA killed the deal, um, and I would say that when you bring outside people in, anything can happen because they're paid to find the problems.
2: That's right, Mike. That's a very good point. And and often that usually becomes the case in larger transactions when the the owners step away and they put an advisor such as an attorney or an accountant Mm -hmm. in place of that. That's when it can become uh,
1: very fragile. Well, we need those professionals to come in and help us make the right decisions, you know. But but you don't need that until you know you've got a deal. And so let's talk about, again, we're talking about the entrepreneur, the person want wants to be in the business. What are the traits of a good buyer? I think the
2: traits of a good buyer are if do they have the skills to be an entrepreneur? Do they have the personality to deal with customers, to deal with employees? Are they a multitasker? Mm-hmm. Do they, are they a risk taker? Do they like hands-on work? Or are they intending to run it passively? These are all points that they must ask themselves.
1: That's the kind of um, thing you do too. You help assess people when they're talking to you about getting into business. You're also assessing them. That's right. You're coaching they're, them.
2: Yeah, we, we do usually a q with a with a right. buyer so we can understand yeah. that they're hopefully going in the right direction.
1: Now, the most important thing, if there was a buyer remorse comment a year, like a year after a first-time buyer, what is that buyer's remorse comment most likely to be?
2: Oh that is a good question Mike I think that the you know uh, fortunately we have most of our buyers that have have uh, a good a good uh good reaction to the process, and, and they, mm-hmm. they, they're they happy with their mm-hmm. purchase. I think that uh, probably the amount of time that they actually had to spend in the business is, is probably one of the more common remorseful comments. And by the way, heard. this
1: takes anywhere from the optimal 90 days to over six months. I mean, it could take a full year. That's why you always have to run the business as a seller, as if you're never going to sell it. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's the time
2: <laughs> actually to complete it, and it's actually the time that they have to spend in their business because they... Maybe. It's a lot
1: like dating. You know, you guys and gals remember all the effort that goes into the courtship, and then at the end of the day you're like, gosh, that took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right but, now. Shouldn't
0: a, but shouldn't a prospective buyer, the, the more prepared they are doing their homework, researching the history of the business, the successes of the business, as well as the failures of the business, uh, the customer base, or, uh, I mean, shouldn't that all be done before they even consider buying that business? Well, I think uh,
2: to some extent, actually – there's statistically probably seventy percent of of buyers looking and thinking they want a certain business in yeah. a certain industry will actually buy something in something else. Mm, so really, yes, so that they that you may spend a lot of you spin your wheels a lot doing that. I mm-hmm. think it's important to see what the, the basics of the, a, of the basics of the transaction. I mean, yeah. you know, do they have one competitor? Do they have, you know, do they have? 20, 30 competitors. Do they have one customer? Do they have 100 customers? I mean, the basics of it are all really going to apply to any business they buy. And I think if you understand that.
1: All right, let's talk about how a buyer actually sells their soul in buying a business. And I've done it personally. I have bought a business in the past that I ended up being totally married to. It was eating capital, and it turned out I didn't like the business. So, Fred, talk about your perspective. How does a buyer sell their soul in, in you know, or how do you buy for the wrong reasons?
2: Well, I think you mentioned marriage and that, uh, Mike, that's what you're getting into when you buy a business. And so if you are buying the business to make a certain amount of money, and that's really all you're focusing on, then I think in the long run, you're going to be disappointed with yourself on that decision because you know, it's not a passionate endeavor Mm -hmm. and it's something you've and, and especially if the market changes and you're not making as much money, then it be- can it become turmoil.
1: And also think about innovation. It's hard to be innovative in a, in a product line or in a business you don't really have a passion for. You know, cash flow doesn't make you innovative. That's think, exactly. Thinking about it late at night, right, and what you're going to do tomorrow and
2: I'd say that's exactly right, Mike. You will not be—you will not have the ideas generated if you aren't passionate about your business.
1: And there's so many businesses that will come down the line. It's just a matter of time. So people can be patient. You don't—it's not like it's like homes. You know, you don't have to buy one right the second. Maybe there'll be more coming on mark on the market. Exactly right? right. There's always
2: turnover in businesses.
1: So we've got to buy a business for the right reasons. We want to buy a business that reflects our personality, keeps our energy high keeps our charisma and our leadership and our innovation high yet when we buy for the wrong reasons we are selling little bits of our soul that over time that adds up and it eats at you and you realize you've gotten married to something you can't get out of and you, guess what the people that work with you the employees your peer, your partners they feel it too right if that's they, exactly right the passion's got to be there what uh let's talk about the other side of this what how do you lose your shirt in buying a business fred um, how can you do a bad deal in buying a business where financially you've really started off on the wrong foot?
2: Well, I'd say number one is if you uh, didn't leave the the seller tied into it in some extent, to some extent. So if you, went oh, okay. and you bought an all cash, mm-hmm. bought an all cash, let them walk away. That's right, yeah. let them walk away. So from if I was advising a buyer to in, in the process mm-hmm. of buying a business, I would advocate that uh, that have the seller as a component in the success of the business for a certain period of time to get you off on the right foot mm-hmm. uh, there's a tie-in there's a there's a link there so the, obviously the seller knows most about that business and more than you you're going to know and
1: it takes months and months to get out of them all the things you've got to know right
2: and that is the for most for <laughs> the yes the, for most like, businesses that's right
1: it's like where's that extra key um, it's <laughs> over here where'd you where's the safe what's the combination uh, and every seller wants to get out and be gone tomorrow, but you just can't do that. You know, the value transfer isn't instantaneous, is it?
2: That's right. Well, the seller could be uh, a, a present in the business or not present. And, and present is helping, but in either case, uh, perhaps a financial tie from the seller. In other words, a mm-hmm. uh, financing component so that they have some skin in the game as well in your success that's good. Leave
1: something for the seller to have at risk with you that it will get if things go right. I also recall that the seller carries a lot of customer relationships that can't be handed off day one.
2: That's right. For certain businesses, that is exactly
1: right. So you got to have that. And you also one thing we talked about is you can overpay for the business, right? We talked about that. That's correct. And you can be be by any impatient. That's how that happens. And you also can not leave enough working capital in the business to be able to fund the oper- early operating months, right?
2: Or have enough to uh, for if there's a a blip in the right, market right. in your industry Could smooth it over. Smooth it over. Right. That's right.
1: Okay, don't change a thing. When we come back from this break, we're going to flip from the topic of buying a business to the topic of selling a business, and knowing both
0: sides helps you regardless of which side you're on. And remember, if you've got a question for Mike, you can call toll-free 877-843-4110 or email him at mikewhiticker.com. Back after this break on In Business with Mike Whitaker.
1: And we're back. It's In Business with Mike Whitaker. I'm Mike Whitaker. And if you've just joined, today's topic is buying or selling a business while not losing your shirt or selling your soul. Our first half, we talked about ways to get into business. Our, and our guest, Fred Phillips from Transition Advisors, has talked about how to buy a business. And now we're going to talk to Fred about selling a business, which happens, happens all the time. Life goes on, economy or not. People need to move on in their lives. And there's all kinds of opportunities for buyers. But we're talking about selling a business. So, Fred, let's turn the tables here and... You know, last week's show, we talked about what a business is worth and how value uh, is determined to make the business, uh, you know, how to make it worth the most money possible when it comes time to sell. Uh, What are the signs I should look for, Fred, that are hinting to me as a seller that I should consider selling the business?
2: Well, I think several factors. Timing is a factor that's probably uh, very important right now, and and timing from the standpoint of your industry, your business, is, is what you're doing or what service you're providing or making or what product you're making, is that something that is going out of in fashion or out of fashion? The capital gains rates uh, are in a very important factor. Taxes, right. Taxes. Uh, capital gains rates are as uh, low as they've ever been mm-hmm. uh, in this era. Um, so in, undoubtedly, they will go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, those are a couple major points.
1: What about and, uh, you know signs that I don't have it anymore as a as a leader or as a, you know, my energy level and things? What well, that's think? right.
2: You're 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 talking uh, burnout is what you're mm-hmm. talking about okay. more than likely, and and so that happens to people at various stages. Um, uh, often. It, Seven years—it's like every maybe seven <laughs> years you're going to get that feeling, and you're going to want to get out of your business. Um, It's—it uh, is a factor if you are if you are be losing your passion, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. If you're losing your passion for your business, maybe that's a good time to sit back and think. Well, is this something I should consider doing? I
1: recall in a couple of my t- different e- episodes as a growth entrepreneur. I found my passion was being affected by the capital requirements of the business. The more money it was sucking and taking from me to, you know, to grow. And I found that risk and that that, that, uh, additional stress to remove some of the passion. And so, you know, and I reminded also of a comment that our guest last week mentioned. Uh, He said that as a buyer, as a fund, uh, they look to buy businesses that have reached a natural glass ceiling, that have reached a point where the person who was Owning the business couldn't take it any further. And that might have be been the capital requirements. That might, be an, might have been might have innovation. Might have been energy level. But I think people understand a natural story, don't they?
2: That's right, Mike.
1: They, I mean, they do. But what are the, what are the unnatural stories as a seller you can't tell and get buyers to believe?
2: Perhaps, uh, if I understand what you're asking, maybe the the potential that 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 is out there based on what the business can do that maybe hasn't been developed. If the, There is, and, and there is a lot of times uh, sellers have lost their passion. Uh, there's a lot of potential going forward, but they have not, done anything to tap that potential and na- na- they, right they and then, talk about it though. and the natural inclination of the buyer is to say well uh if you you know if it's so great why haven't you done it but there is in fact many instances where that's there it's the seller has lost their potential uh,
1: passion to to get it yeah you tend that's you know i call it pointing to blue sky as a seller yeah. i tend to point to the blue sky for the next guy and say hey you could be here and then they look at you well what, dummy why haven't you done it he- and you have to have a really good answer, right? I mean, but, I also remember uh, in selling a business that uh, you know you have to have a really valid reason because otherwise the thing smells. I mean, I remember buyers, prospects looking at it and saying, "You got to have a reason. Don't just tell me you're bored. That doesn't. You're making money. So what's wrong? What you know? What customer base is about to leave? What patent's about to fall?" what what 's foreign competitors about ready to come in and kill your price you know, don 't you think that people have to have a reason and believable oh, that 's
2: right and I think uh, f- for us when we you know our inventory is our businesses that we have available, mm-hmm. and when we bring that in, that is a, one of the very first questions that we ask in fact we don 't ask it just once we may ask it several times, and a buyer should do the same thing. Uh, why are you selling so we, we look for that reason, and there are many good reasons to sell a business, and some buyers feel that That just because an owner is selling the business, there's something wrong with it, which, in fact, that's not true. Uh, There's
1: lots of good reasons. And that's Um, why when you're a seller, by selling earlier than you have to, you actually have more credibility. You actually have more pricing power for your business because you're not desperate. You don't have to get out, right? I mean it takes a while anyway. How long does the process take?
2: Well, first of all, you want to be in a position where you're proactive and not reactive, so that you, you made a good point. Uh, you know, selling uh, a business, can take, uh, I think on a national average, um, what I've I've seen is is around seven months from the time you start to the time you close. And I think that's expanded now because of the economy and the credit market. So that's probably on average is more. Now, we've actually uh, sold a a business in actually one day. I mean, brought it in and and, and closed on it in in one day. And then we've actually Mm -hmm. had some that we've had for three years. Mm -hmm. So it is a wide in a, in a wide uh, range of timing and and there's many factors the factors can be the the actual kind of business it mm-hmm. could be its location small sure. town metropolitan sure. area could be uh, 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 there's it was priced too high maybe there's just many factors that cause that
0: if you've just joined us today uh, the topic is buying or selling a business while not losing your shirt or selling your soul and we our guest is Fred Phillips transition advisors
1: and okay Fred the, what is the average profile of a seller? If you could just off the cuff, what does an average seller look like?
2: I would say an average seller is 62, 63 mm-hmm. years old. Um, mostly male Mm -hmm. there there's uh there's probably Mm -hmm. 25 30 probably female Mm -hmm. um they uh looking and and unfortunately most of them are looking to uh, realize that it does take time so they at that age they are getting ready to exit the business and Mm -hmm. and being proactive about it not saying not having a heart attack and saying okay i want to sell i need to sell tomorrow although that does Mm -hmm. happen um they uh They've been, they've fortunately have, have had the business. At, they've probably owned it uh, twenty ten to twenty years, maybe longer. Uh, we've had businesses that have that have been in business for fifty, sixty years. So um, right. that is probably a typical profile.
1: If you've never sold a business, uh, this is where my experience in selling a business uh, I really value because uh, you know I want to talk about what goes through a seller's head in this crazy process of selling a business, Fred. Because. There are times where I felt crazy and you actually you got to witness it one of these times uh, in that, you know, you tend to be a counselor sometimes, don't you? I mean, how do you do that?
2: That's right, and, and it 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 really depends on the size usually the bigger the the transaction, the more more emotional it'll get, mm-hmm. and that's probably because of the the, the money you're talking about, uh, but I think that uh, there are a number of things that that will come up in a seller's mind, and they they frankly, I think a lot of it's second guessing themselves if they should be selling or not they, right, they really right. haven't went beyond that hurdle.
1: I, I've got to, to that point, uh, I remember now, I wrote a few notes here. I remember when I was working on selling the business that you and I worked on, uh, fixing it up and, you know, and, and having to go through the sale process, I resold myself on why I love the business. It was the strangest feeling in the world. I got myself all worked up to sell it. And then as I'm, it's kind of like you're going through the house and you've got a new paint on it. You've got the landscaping good and you go, gosh, I like this place. And you've been bragging about it to your, to your buyer for, for months Right? Exactly. You ever see that happen? I mean, I fell back in love, yeah. and then I'm like, oh, dang. You convince yourself maybe not to sell it. You liked well, it so much. you do. It? You just remind mm-hmm. yourself what you've done. It's kind of like walking through a scrapbook, and you're looking, and you're saying, wow, we did a lot of neat things here. I've had a lot of memories here. You know, one of my businesses, I raised my kids here.
2: Well, not only that, I think it'd be fair to say that you probably, I think you started your that business on the kitchen table.
1: That that one in particular, absolutely. And, and, yeah, there's you, so there's-
2: you have a long emotional tie there.
1: Here's another one that blows your mind as a seller is disloyalty. You start feeling disloyal because you're looking your people. A lot of times you won't tell your employees that you're up for sale until you've actually got a deal uh, on paper. I looked at my people and I felt like a rat. I looked at people that were there because I was there, who I talked them into being in the business that were counting on me. And I'm at some point knowing I'm going to tell them I'm going to be transitioning out and here's a new buyer. And then I have to be selling them on the merits of the new buyer, right? And I felt disloyal which is the weirdest. It's my business. I can do whatever I want with my business. But it's funny. You spend all this time being loyal to this business. You can't train yourself overnight to skip that feeling, can you? I mean, you They'll, probably see some weird behavior out of that.
2: Well, that's a double-edged sword that, about that employees and um, not you really have to be confidential about the process. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's a whole other topic that is comes into play when you're trying to sell your business. How
1: about this one? Uh, a friend of mine uh, in selling his business uh, I was amazed at the very end he, he almost sabotaged. Actually, he, he tried to sabotage and, and succeeded because he, because he was fearful of what he was going to do next. He did not have a clear understanding of what he was going to do next. See, a cash event, and this is from my experience, cash alone is not something to look forward to. It's not enough. If you have it, this is my personal opinion, the business that you had passion for, cash is not a passion subject. Very few people I know that I like, passion is, passion is not the cash. Passion is what they're doing, what they're moving forward every day, the innovation, whatever. So, fear of what's next, I found to be something that people, if they don't have a clear understanding of what they're going to do after they sell the business, they tend to not let go. Have you ever seen anybody do that? Yes.
2: Or? Yeah. It's 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 post sale planning is what you. There's two types of planning is what plan ahead to sell it, and what's your plan after you sell it, and are you do you have enough money to to live financially? And are you going to – can you visualize yourself or do you have other plans to do something else after you sell the business?
1: That's – yeah, and last one I thought of is you I, I lose your identity. If you've been known as the president or CEO of XYZ Company for so many years and your employees look up to you and or your investors look up to you, whatever – when you sell it, you may get a transaction, you may get some cash, but you, you get a new identity. You don't get to keep the old one. I'm the former this and that. How fun is that? You know, it's different. It hits your ego, too. It does, Mike. And I
2: think, um, you know, there's ways to get around that. If you have – I and mean, that's one of the – what we talk to a seller, if we detect that or we're told that that could be an issue, then we work look for ways to keep that seller – Integrated or involved in the business for a period of time, and there's many different roles they can play, and that way it, it helps smooth that. They can play to their
1: strengths, actually. If a person likes to being the front end uh, salesperson, they can continue to sell. That's right. And maybe the headaches and the and the risk and the and the sleepless nights go away because they've done a transaction, but they still get to be involved in the business.
2: That's right. And then eventually they'll naturally become less and less tied to that business. Gary, any of your clients uh,
0: want to sell yet? Not yet. I think everybody's pretty happy. It's it's your
1: your campaigns,
0: I'm sure, raising the sales in those things. Well, I hope so. (laughs) We've got to take a little break, Mike. Uh, When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to tell you why and how seller deals go bad and even at the altar. And, yes, it's happened to Mike, so uh, we'll tell you more about that when we come back. And also want to remind you that uh, Mike's got a toll-free number where you can call and ask questions at 877-843-4110. And uh, you can also email Mike at MikeWhitaker.com. That's spelled W H I T A K E R. This is In Business with Mike Whitaker, back in 60 seconds.
2: Iris, your IRS helper here. Look, there are
0: people out there who want to steal your identity. So protect yourself. Only use IRS.gov, the official IRS website, and never
1: give out your personal financial information by phone or email. If you do find out someone's using your social security number for fraudulent tax purposes, tell the IRS right away. That's a serious no-no. IRS.gov. See how it can help you.
0: Not every business or entrepreneur knows what to do next. Many business strategies are old and effective and cannot raise investment dollars. If your department or company wants to find strategic advantages that you can use to leap forward, the team at Idea Gateway is available. Idea Gateway specializes in fixing business models and building growth strategies, and they don't waste your time or theirs. Simple results with Idea Gateway. Call 918-528-3800 or visit ideagateway.com. Back in business with Mike Whitaker. Reminder you can replay this show on mikewhitaker.com anytime. And if you've been listening to this program since inception, you know Mike started several weeks ago with Frequent Listener Program, where you have a chance to win Mike's new book.
1: You get an autographed copy of In Business, or am sorry, My Entrepreneur Prison book. And uh, if you've listened to 10 weeks, you've got 10 key words. This is uh, week eight, I think. So last week, uh, we owe you one because we uh, we didn't have time for it. So last week's show. Uh, the keyword with the show, What's a Business Worth? The keyword's top dollar, okay? And right. this week, our show uh, for how to buy and sell a business is called Transition. This week's word's transition.
0: And people are keeping track
1: of these words, you know, because everybody wants your book. Absolutely. And it's a lot about these types of stories, about, you know, things you learn about getting in and out of business. And our guest, Fred Phillips and Transition Advisors, actually helped me on selling one of my businesses. And... uh We're hearing some very good feedback on this latter half of how to sell a business. So, Fred, you know, when we sell a business, um, what are some unexpected twists and turns that take place when selling? You've probably had some things go nuts at the end. Anything you want to talk about on that?
2: Well, I think... uh well, if you're talking about at the end of the process, uh, typically what uh, might happen at that point is uh, the there was an unexpected turn in the business, perhaps. It could have went up or something may have changed. They may have lost a customer, which will throw a wrench into the deal. I think that uh, in the process, sometimes uh, uh, financing looks great when you're starting off. It, everything's a go, but then as things progress, the buyer may not
1: Get the financing as needed. Yeah, the bank doesn't show up. That happened to me last fall, October of '08. Uh, absolutely all teed up to sell uh, one of our businesses, and uh, uh, and then uh, the big national banks uh, announce a few a few bad things, and all of a sudden everyone gets skittish. And two weeks before close, kaboom! It it, it just collapsed. And with all that goes, when a year's worth of work preparing to sell a business. Thus, that's why you always act as if you're always going to own the business because if you put things on hold here's, – here's where I learned a hard lesson. We put things on hold for a year that should have been dealt with early, things like leadership, transition of new management, training, new product development. All those investments, all that effort was put on hold because we thought for sure we were going to sell. So therefore, you focus on selling. And it takes a lot of energy to sell. It does. You know, you have management meetings that people have to prove the business is worth what it, you think it's worth. And, and you know, when you stop inventing and you stop improving and you stop doing little things that made your business what it is, there's a de- degradation. It degrades for that year, right? It's like a moment in time lost.
2: That's right, Mike. I think one of the coaching points that we, we provide our clients is that you need to run your business. Like you're not selling it and run it normally. In fact, we say put a little more emphasis into it that you normally wouldn't may not do.
1: Yeah, because you're motivated. If you raise the if you raise the value, of the I'm sorry, if you raise the revenue and or raise the profit, you actually improve your sale price all the way up to the day of that close. That is,
2: that's exactly right.
1: Yeah, you don't have to agree ahead of time on the sale price. It's kind of you agree on a formula.
2: It could be that's right. A benchmark, a formula, exactly.
1: Uh, when and also the other thing I remember Fred with you is that. Uh, I was It was a smaller business, and so I was at the head of it, and I had a lot of things to do, a lot of hats to wear. And I recall being uh, convinced at the end of it why you have to use someone else to run interference and re- handle selling the business transaction like you and transition advisors. You don't have time to do it. It'll eat you up. Most people don't understand
2: how much work goes involved, is involved in the process of selling. Um, from our standpoint, it could be hundreds of hours easy uh, on getting that through that sale process and time that you don't have as a business owner. At least most don't have that time.
1: Talk about one other thing you bring to the table, which is what are the sticky conversations that are almost impossible to have the seller around for because I remember just getting inflamed on a few topics that I couldn't keep my cool because you're talking about my baby.
2: That's exactly right. And uh, you don't want to tell the seller their baby is ugly. So <laughs> that is so anything that has to do with that with warts. Yes, it, and I think let's well, price. Uh, price is probably a big issue. If there's if a buyer perceives your business as worth Less than you think it's worth. Sometimes that that may or may not be a real touchy subject. Some people are very sensitive to that, um, but most buyer, a lot of buyers are pretty. They they are becoming sophisticated, and they're looking to us, to myself, to. Intervene on anything that they feel may be a touchy subject, and so they, and of course, I'm. That's why I'm there. That's you're, my yeah, role. Yeah. I'm, that's my purpose is mm-hmm. to to know what what I should maybe discuss with, because some people don't have the ability to uh, f- paraphrase what they're thinking in a way that the seller won't be offended.
1: You mean clean up their language? Better I think, you. but I, I remember that. I mean, you're a buffer. You're to be, in, and I remember using you as a buffer. I could speak to you flat out plain as I want to speak to you. And then you would turn that into sales language and you would go talk to the buyers or the buyer's agent about that. It's a lot like real estate. you know. I don't want to tell the owner of the house that I'm looking to buy that it's ugly, but I'll let my realtor tell their realtor that it needs some improvement or we're thinking of making a lesser offer and here's why. Right? That's
2: exactly right. And if they <laughs> if they're doing their job, they're making it, they're softening it up.
1: But it is real, and I think the most important thing is so you can run your business and keep improving the value. You got you to use someone else is to your advantage. If you never sell, Fred, you don't get paid, do you? That's exactly right. So it's really a win-win for you to, as a seller to be focused on running the business because, and I got to tell you, the probability of a deal, what we call busting or blowing up, prob- is pretty high because there's all these reasons, right? That that can for six months or more, things can go the other direction. Yeah,
2: it's not, if, if, you're, if you're dealing with, uh, if you have somebody that's helping you uh, and they're competent in what they do, the, the chances are much less. Yes. Uh, but if you're doing it on your own, then, then, then you're going to run into a lot of pitfalls that could be, uh, could have been taken care of ahead of time.
1: One of the ways you mitigate that risk of things busting, don't you try to have more than two, two or more buyers at the table? Well, that, that's
2: right, and that, and that, that goes hand-in-hand hand with value. So if you properly, to maximize value, that means that you can't just go to one particular buyer. You have to have a number. You have to really go to the market and be able to confidentially present that business to a certain number of people That so you can get that market value. Because after all, it is a market value. It's not if you go to one person, that's not a market.
1: So, right, right. Yeah. And You might think, oh, I know who will buy me it someday. You know, guess what? They know They know also that they're your only customer, your only buyer, and they've already got that discount in mind. I mean, you better have something they can't put their hands on that they got to have. That's right. Or you're discounted with only one person. It's like that. You ever go to an auction and only one person shows up? It's a, it's a low price deal. It's a pretty good deal for you, isn't it? <laughs> um, Fred, how do you get people like in your bit line of business get paid for your work?
2: Well, it's it, – so we have two companies, and they're tailored towards the the smaller end of the of the business spectrum, and, and, and transit, which is business exchange specialists, and transition advisors is tailored towards more of the M&A, the larger businesses. Mm-hmm. And for anybody listening, that maybe means difference in the business have, doing a f- few million a year in revenue would be a larger business, four or five million a year mm-hmm. in revenue that's a larger – anything under that would be a smaller business. Um, we get paid – differently depending on which area we're working. If it's a smaller business, if we don't get the business done, we don't get paid. If we don't get it sold, we don't mm-hmm. get paid. And that's generally true on the larger side with the exception of a lot of times the larger businesses have a lot of complexity. They take a lot of preparation ahead of time. And so there is sometimes fees to get started on that process. And then, But the bulk of our, the way we're compensated is once it's sold.
1: So to interject so, on that, I recall when we built what's called a deal book and we built a book on the, my business, and and in that book, you're like it's a Reader's Digest condensed version of why the business, what the business is, and why it's worth so darn much. It's like right? a biography, is basically right. what it is, and, and that, it's picked th- apart. So th- you have to have a you have to spend time on. It. That's
2: right. It takes a lot of time to do. So that. So how
1: do you in the end? How do you get paid? Is it a percentage of that's the right. sale? that's right?
2: Percentage of the sale, and it varies on scale depending on right. the business, and and actually the industry. We don't have a cookie cutter. We actually look at our businesses. We actually internally risk. Different situations. Right.
1: That's what I think as a seller. What you want to find is you want to find a, a, an agent that not only is can can sell a business for you, but they can consult for you, help advise you along the way, and also tailor maybe tailor how they get paid based upon the structure of the deal that you that you end up with. Because not every deal comes out all cash. Not every deal you know comes out like you wished it would, right? So he's got to get paid for helping you. But it is a win win. That's event, right. You know? It needs to
2: be a win win. And so.
1: How do we lose our shirt as a seller? In your experience, what are ways in which, what mistakes we can make, we we end up losing our shirt financially in a sale? I've got one. I'll wait till you're done. Okay,
2: (laughs) I would say uh, getting uh, partnering up with uh, the wrong person. In other words, like say uh, you you financed a a buyer and you financed a buyer without enough. Money or skin in the game, and mm-hmm. we call it walk-away money. If you mm-hmm. let somebody come into your business with a small amount of money um, and take that business over, and and it's not painful for them to, uh, to fail right. the business, then y- that's a mistake. You want to make sure that they have enough money in there, and that's quantitative, quantitatively. It's, you have to. It's going to be different for every situation. You can, but maybe say thirty, at least thirty percent of the deal that you know that they're putting in.
1: That's a big one. And I'll add the other big one I think that I personally went through is I left too much equity in the business. I didn't take enough cash out as a seller. I was so impressed with the buyer. I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to help roll this to more value. And at the moment, uh, at the moment it looked that way, but I left too much ownership in the business and they ran it in the ground and you're left with a big fat zero and that's the risk you take. So my advice to people uh, is you got to take over half your equity out in cash if you because you may never see the other half. I mean that's just a you don't know that new you don't know what that buyer is going to do. You don't you really don't know them as well as you'd like to unless they're family. You
2: know, that's so. right.
1: So how about uh, how do you sell your soul in a sale? What transaction does a seller do sometimes where they feel like they've sold themselves out?
2: well maybe letting uh letting somebody convince them that uh, they uh, to take the company in a certain direction when they in fact uh, felt that in their heart that was the wrong direction, and they did it maybe for uh, maybe it was a decision based on greed making more money when in fact it over that overruled their their common sense of where they should go.
1: I think it's important to figure out what the new buyer intends to do with the business. Uh, The last thing you want to see as part is, well, you can see it if you get well paid. Okay. But be prepared to close your eyes as they move the business or do something to it that you're like, why'd they do that? My trophy case is being, you know, shattered, but yet, there might be good reasons, but maybe not your reasons, and so part of your soul goes with that. And again, you know, your identity.
2: It is, and family, uh, any anything involving a family, in, in the process of buying or selling, should be looked at very heavily. If you're right. bringing in relatives, bringing in sons, daughters, uh, it's it's a very very. Uh, touch could be a touchy subject down the road and you could be making decisions
1: for the wrong reasons we have a whole show on family business that anyone's invited the website to look at fred you've
0: been a great guests i thank you from transition advisors fred phillips and gary take us out i want to tell you what fred's uh, website address is once again it's transact transitionadvisorsinc.com that's transitionadvisorsinc.com and his phone number is 405 604 Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of In Business with Mike Whittaker. This is Mike Whittaker, the Defender-in-Chief of the American Entrepreneur. Now go out and make it a
1: great week.